Let's begin, first of all, with an opportunity for you to shoot down a number of major rumors. Are you or are you not a candidate to replace Chip Carey as a TV voice of the Braves? First off, the, the main reason I think people tune into this show uh, and certainly the reason why I come on and listen to it uh, is to solve the great murder mysteries uh, throughout <laughs> South Carolina and the country. So if you could tell me uh, who killed Jeffrey Epstein, uh, who got in the cell, who let him in, mm. clearly it was not a suicide, mm. uh, who covered it up. If we could just break that down for the next few minutes, uh, and I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> uh, we'll turn that over to Jim Corbett as well, our, our super <laughs> our super sleuth. Uh, now answer the good, question. Good stuff. Uh, I've got no answer for you on that. I, I've got no answer for you on that other than I was surprised as uh, as anybody else. Uh, I, I I knew Chip. Which is to say, when I when I work with the Braves, when I traveled with the Braves, uh, I, I got to know him more and more. Always liked Chip, uh, a genuinely good person. You you know as well as I do, there are many people in our business who are very folksy on the air, but are complete uh, a holes off it. Mm. <laughs> uh, and uh, that does not fit the description of of Chip Carey uh, at all. But. Um, you know, a lot of different uh, rumors out there why you would leave the Braves to to take a job with the Cardinals. Uh, so it, I can just say it was it was a surprise to a lot of folks uh, down here for sure. Yeah, that sounds like a non denial denial to me. Well, I, I, if if for some reason I was actually interviewing for the job, I certainly wouldn't come on your show and talk about it. But uh, exactly, I'm sure. I'm sure whoever does so the you're job not talking will be very about happy. it. You're not as I'm putting the pieces together. Since we are talking about investigative journalism here tonight, as I'm putting the pieces together, you've refused to answer the question directly, and now you just said you wouldn't talk about it if you were. So I deduce that you are because thusly you're not talking about it. Well, that's that's quite a deduction. I don't think that's really uh, very accurate, but uh, <laughs> but I like your sleuth work there. Uh, no question about that, and I would just say I'm very happy where I am. There you go. As are we. Okay, Colin <laughs> Castleton. What do you think of him overall as a player? <laughs> that's your that's your lead question. That's this it. Is all over the map tonight. That's what we do. We're solving murders. <laughs> We're asking about jobs. We're talking about the Florida center. Like, yes. What's, what's next? Are we breaking down the St. Louis Blues front line? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, Colin Castleton. Well, I'll put it to you this way. Mm -hmm. it, you know, when you look at the new coaches in this league, uh, Matt McMahon of LSU had just as much, if not more success than any of them with the job he did at Murray state, three NCAA tournaments, victories in the NCAA tournament, uh, several conference championships in the, in the Ohio Valley. He's at LSU now, virtually nobody returned from last year's team. And they're in the cellar. <clears throat> Why do I mention that? Because if Colin Castleton decided to not come back for another year at Florida, which he was not going to, I, I've interviewed him on this subject, and he was all but gone. Florida could easily be in the cellar right now with LSU, with Ole Miss, with Mississippi State. Uh, the fact that Coach Golden got him to come back for another year changes the complete complexion of that team. And you, you – you see that uh, I didn't watch much of the game last night, 
Uh, I know his, his numbers weren't overbearing, but he affects everything. I mean, he he's a willing passer, so he, he, he makes Florida better on offense. He's a rim protector. If he's not blocking shots, he's altering them. I think he still leads the league in blocks. Uh, he's a very good college player. I don't know if he's going to make it in the NBA. I don't care. Uh, I just know he's very good in the SEC, and any team would be lucky to have him. Yeah, absolutely. I He's always been good against South Carolina. Block shots, rebounds. The Gamecocks played him to an eight-point game at the half, fell behind the second half, it got into the 20s, and got away from them once again. I'd say about the only thing you could ask for right now for South Carolina, would you agree or disagree at this point, against most of the teams they play, is just give great effort because you're not talented enough to play with most of the teams on your schedule. You don't shoot it well enough. You can't defend well enough. But you can give great effort and give something Lamont Paris to kind of build on going into next year as he is going to have to remake this roster once again, I would think. Yeah, look, I I don't think anybody, including – Lamont Paris is surprised at what they walked into today, uh, excuse me, this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a roster that it's not up to par with the other programs in the SEC. Uh, one McDonald's All-American alone does not change the fate of your entire season. And you know, I give them credit. <clears throat> they have competed hard. I don't think there's any quit on that roster. Uh, they pulled off a stunning win at Rupp Arena, which is going to look even more impressive a month from now because I think Kentucky is starting to catch fire. But uh, it, it, every game is going to be a struggle. I still think there's winnable games left on the schedule. Uh, I think they're going to win uh, some more games in league play, but they're going to be games like last night where they don't play well, they're overmatched at particular positions, and it's just going to be a struggle. What'd you take from last night's action around the SEC? Anything in particular stand out? I would have to suggest maybe Kentucky now seems to have right in the ship after that shocking loss to South Carolina. They haven't lost since then. And to beat a really good uh, Texas, I'm sorry, to uh, beat a, uh, where, where, where were we at here the other day? Uh, Kentucky. Well, they won at Vanderbilt, so they won the other day. They won on Tuesday. Um, oh, Texas A&M at Auburn going into the jungle. So, Talk about what Kentucky has done since that loss to South Carolina and then how Texas A&M, after their very slow start, has just turned it around and become a force in the league. I think that's the bigger story right now is what <clears throat> what Buzz, Buzz Williams uh, is doing at Texas A&M. They just snapped the longest home winning streak in the country at Auburn in the jungle. Uh, they've got a, a, a guy in – in uh, in what they call boo, who they call boots, mm. uh, Tyrese, who's six foot two, and is one of the best rebounders in the league, and gets to the free throw line any more uh, more than anybody in the league at six two. Uh, he's just a he's a he's a unicorn. He's a unique type of player that plays like he's six ten. Um, I, I I think overall, and I've had them a couple of times. Nobody wants to play a And M. Nobody wants to deal with them. They beat you up. They uh, they grind you out, <clears throat> and right now they're just winning games because they have found enough offense to, to complement that defense. So I, I think a and is one of the best stories going. I know Joe Lenardi had them uh, first four out. Uh, they're a tournament team. I, I'd be shocked if we don't see them in the, uh, in the tournament. And they're the kind of style that travels come March, uh, that, you know, they can win games – 58 54 62 61 like that 
they can do all those things. They get to the free throw line. They play defense. Like they could be a problem for anybody in the tournament. So I, I think that's the 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 best story going now because we've already told the story of Alabama. We've already told the story about Kentucky. We know they're the best two teams out there. You mentioned Kentucky is picking it up right now. Uh, but I, I think and Missouri's been the surprise team of the SEC. I've got them Saturday in the Big 12 Challenge against Iowa State. That place will be rocking in Como. Uh, so those are the, some of the, the stories we're already familiar with. I think A&M is becoming one of the best stories per, potentially in the country if they keep winning the way they are. Okay, I know you're in the middle, the heart of basketball season, but I know you. You're keeping an eye on baseball as well because you got that coming up on your agenda in a few weeks. We met with uh, we had Mark Kingston on the show a couple nights ago. We had Eric Backich on the show last night. Kingston met with the media again today. Backich is going to talk to the media tomorrow. We'll talk to other coaches around South Carolina as college baseball practice begins. But I want to talk about the Gamecocks. And again, uh, this looks like a team that can do some really good things. Uh, Kingston talks about the pitching, how healthy they are. He thinks he's got six quality arms who could be starters. Then, of course, he's looking for four starters, and two of the two of those who don't start will drop off into the bullpen. You got Wimmer moving full-time to shortstop, which means Braswell's going to end up playing somewhere else in some capacity. That's how good he believes Wimmer is. He thinks Wimmer's one of the best shortstops he's ever coached because of his range. Uh, so in general, and I know you got a lot of digging to do down the road, but South Carolina <laughs> baseball, and I know you it's keep an January, eye on baseball. January, Phil, I don't have it. I don't have a scouting report on Carolina well, baseball in you January. You know their arms from last year. Their healthy arms. <laughs> How good can the Gamecocks be in baseball? Thank you very much. I have no idea because in order to answer that question, I'd have to look at the arms of the other 13 teams that they're going to compete against. So, look, it's it's going to be a, a bounce-back year. I think – well, I don't think I know. People around that program knew last year was going to be a struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year the expectations are higher because you've got a lot of those premier players back. You pick up some newcomers in recruiting. Uh, obviously, uh, Mark Kingston knows it's a very big year for him personally. Uh, there's, no, there's, there's no doubt in my mind they're going to be better. But to, to give you a full assessment of where they stack in the SEC, I, I'm not prepared to uh, give you much on that on, on January the 26th. Now, let me go ahead and give you a little insight. They'll be in the top five. Please. They'll be in the top five. Okay. All right, mark it down. Top now, five of the league? Of the league, of the league, which, okay. you know, that's pretty good. Now, I'll mark were, that you, down. were you shocked that the USC softball team was picked last by their coaches in their preseason <laughs> poll? Now you want me to break down? <laughs> you're, you're, what about the equestrian we, team? Where, we, where do we think uh, the we, equestrian team stands right now? We bring you on for everything SEC and a little ACC. That's that's your purpose in life. You're Mr. I, SEC. You know, I, I'm not Mr. Softball. I haven't called a, an SEC softball game in my life, and <laughs> I don't – don't plan on doing one this year, so you're going to have to have an extra. Maybe Jim Corbett, when he's uh, solving the Kennedy assassination, can, can break down the SEC softball hierarchy. Oh, uh, all right. Let me ask you this: back to basketball, since you're so in tune with basketball. Going to shift gears and go to we can Clemson. Talk football. I'm up with SEC football 365. We'd have never a bad time to talk football. No, I'm going to go to Clemson basketball because okay, they're Clemson basketball. 17 wins. They continue to lead the ACC. Got to give them a lot of respect. 
this is a good-looking team in my eyes. He's got some depth, and they're winning without two of their best players who've been out with injury. So when they get to the tournament, they're going to make the NCAA tournament barring a complete collapse and, and maybe be, you know, right now they're saying 8-9 seed. Maybe they'll be higher. But, I mean, do you think they – from what you've seen, is this a team that can uh, do some damage in the tournament? Well, I, I, I want to see what kind of seed they get first. Uh, and that does matter. It, it really does. I think some people just think, well, as long as we get the tournament, what's the difference? There's a big difference between being, say, a, a four or five seed and getting to play a, a, a mid-major in the first round versus being, say, in that 8-9 game and it's, it's a pick em game and you're usually playing another power six school and so, in other words, there's a lot of meat left on the bone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like I like Brad Brownell's team. I like the way they're playing together. You mentioned the injuries. If they're healthy, I certainly feel better about where they can go. Uh, and I respect Brad Brownell as a coach. And, and coaching really matters more once you get to that NCAA tournament because very often you're going to be playing in games where the talent is relatively equal. So, uh, just keep on winning if you're Clemson. You know, keep on getting, uh, making a better and better case to be a higher seed, and, and create your path to making a deep run in the tournament. Don't just get in there by the skin of your teeth. Get in there, uh, and and have a good enough seed where you can do some damage. All right. Last thing you want to talk SEC football. So, Alabama appears to be close to rehiring Jeremy Pruitt to be their defensive coordinator. Tide Illustrated reported he was on campus this week. Of course, they got to find a new OC as well. So what do you think of that if it happens? And, I mean, his the crimes against him at Tennessee because he's only going to be an assistant, not a head coach. They don't follow him to Alabama? That's a great question. Um, much better than your softball question. Yes. I, I think uh, – This was actually a I, softball I, question about football. <laughs> Yes, very well done. Yes. No, I, you know, here's the thing about Jeremy Pruitt. It, it could not have ended any worse than it did in Knoxville, but he was absolutely loved in Tuscaloosa mm-hmm. by Nick Saban, by the, the, by the staff, by the fans. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt was a very, very hot name. It looks, it looks laughable now, considering it could, it couldn't have been a bigger disaster than it was in Knoxville. But if you can get him as a coordinator, and it's not like he's, to my knowledge, he's not carrying a show cause, mm-hmm. right? So if he's not carrying a show cause, uh, you know, maybe you, maybe you get a phone call from Greg Sankey. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but the NCAA now, as, as toothless as it appears to be, I don't know if they'll do anything to stop it. I agree. I agree and, with and if they And, and look, as, I, I, can't, I can't deny the fact that the guy's a good coordinator, a good recruiter, uh, and it would be an asset. And Nick Nick Saban doesn't invite you back unless he knows you've got something to offer. He's not just doing it out of the kindness of his heart or out of loyalty or anything else. He knows that the guy could give him something. And I, I don't think he was ever in love with the two coordinators who just left. I don't think there was a big fight to keep those two coaches around, uh, both of whom, of course, have departed for uh, for other jobs. Okay, uh, Mike, always a pleasure. Enjoy your uh, game coming up on Saturday. Again, you'll be doing a game in the SEC Big Ten Challenge. Everybody lives for that. Big 12. 
I mean, Big 12, my bad. Everybody lives for that uh, annually. And uh, you've got, uh, as you mentioned, you have got Iowa State at Missouri. So enjoy that, and we will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Uh, Please let me know, was it the second shooter behind the picket (laughs) fence? I think the CIA was involved. Uh, Look under Oswald. He was a contract agent for the CIA. He lived in Russia. He got back very easily uh i don't know what marina's involvement was but you can find out from jim corbett hey your google your googleness is quite uh you're on top of your game thank you i appreciate and, that. and googling things thank you very much yes. have a great all weekend right. see you all right my who was marine who was the other guy he mentioned marina never heard of that one before not sure with the kennedy assassination yeah. okay thank you mike we appreciate it